the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, The Four Horsemen. Well, welcome back to a new episode of The Four Horsemen Podcast. We're, we're excited that you've joined us. I'm Adam Black. I'm here with the other three stooges, uh, Ben Kerfman, Dennis Thurman, and Derek McCarson, and... Um, we hope you've had a, a great holiday, but uh, the topic that I wanted to discuss tonight was really off a, a, a situation that kind of opened my eyes and kind of took me back to uh, when God really began to deal with me was um, my family and I, we actually went to the Ark Encounter in Kentucky, uh, which I would highly recommend to all of you who are listening. Uh, it's an incredible place, um, great place for kids. My my girls loved it. I would say that it's not the best place for senior adults because there is a ton of walking. So Dennis, you cannot go. Um, I think <laughs> they have wheelchairs. Yeah, they'll allow wheelchairs. I sure. think they That's have right. scooters. Yeah, scooters. Haven't you seen those hover around commercials? Yeah. They can go to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, maybe a Segway. That would you would look cool on a yeah. Segway. But there is a but there was a section in the Ark uh, Encounter, um, and it was called Ark Stories. And the outside of it was kind of like cartoon characters. When you walked into the room, it had all the children's books that you saw uh, growing up. I saw many that I had growing up uh, dealing with the Noah's Ark story. And the whole purpose of the room was to really try to teach your children that it isn't just a story, but that it was an actual historical history. Historical, yeah, historical hey, account, something that actually happened. And that kind of took me back to when God really began to deal with me uh, in the sense that you know, grew up in church under some so-so preaching. No, uh, good preaching, uh, very good preaching, good teaching, things of that nature. I knew the Bible fairly well. Um, I knew enough to get me, you know, uh, make me dangerous. But when I went into the Air Force, I had a roommate who was an atheist, and I never will forget it. He told me uh, in the first discussion that we had, I was reading the Bible when he came in the room, and he said, why are you reading that? I said, well, it's the Bible. He said, well, none of that is true. And he really began to challenge my faith because I realized that I had a text-based faith in the sense that I believed the Bible was God's word. I never, I never really doubted that, but I couldn't really prove that it all actually happened. And so my faith really began to waver and, and stumble. And, and, and I really began to ask questions and, and I was asking questions, uh, some friends of mine and none of them could, um, answer any of my questions of whether this stuff actually happened. How do you know Jesus actually did raise from the dead and, and on and on and on and really began to doubt all that. Until I began to actually dig in uh, Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, uh, I can say changed my life Good because stuff. I realized that Mine too. You, you can read that book, you can be a Christian and have a brain uh, at the same time. 
And so the topic that I want to discuss tonight, and Andy Stanley brought this up, and I'm, I don't really want to go down that track because I, he went a little too far down that track. Triggered. But I want us to discuss this idea of text-based faith, which is something that I recognize that I had very early on, uh, versus event-based faith in the sense that these things actually occurred. And so do you guys have any stories like mine in which you you believe the Bible, but you 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 believed it just like a, a storybook as the as that room uh depicted. Did any of you guys have that um situation? My story is a lot like yours, Adam, in that um I went to Liberal University and in my first semester I took New Testament just so happened that the teacher of that class was Bart Ehrman. The notorious Bart Who, Ehrman. if you have uh, seen a book maybe in uh, Barnes & Noble or about the historical Jesus, he probably wrote it. Wasn't God's Not Dead kind of based on him? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. I, I, that was very dramatic, but in a, in a way, I did kind of live that um, my first semester at, at UNC because as the class opened on day one, he took the stage didn't even introduce himself. He just said, uh, show of hands, how many of you in here would call yourself uh, Bible-believing Christians? And uh, you could hear the crickets chirping. Um, but I was one of the dozen or so that raised my hand. And then he said uh, with much bravado, well, I'm uh, about to change everything that you think you know about the Bible. And then he spent the rest of the semester systematically tearing apart the Christian faith. He came to his big haymaker conclusion at the end of the class about the resurrection where he said that most likely, according to the historical evidence, that Jesus' body was probably thrown in a mass grave and his body was eaten by dogs. And uh, that explains why there is no body. Um, Of course, he doesn't have a single shred of evidence to back that up. But when you're under the aura and the spell of a world-renowned scholar who's uh, very well known. Um, he is on the History Channel and made millions of dollars for the University of Chapel Hill. When you're under that, you think, oh my gosh, if he if he says that and, and he's an expert, then he must really know. Um, so yeah, just like you, Adam, my my uh, journey was challenged there in my my formative years as a, as a young adult and uh, had to come to that point where I said, all right, I know what I believe, but I don't know why I believe it. Right. And I had to do uh, some real soul searching and some real study decompression, as I would say, as I would come out of that class. Okay, I need to hear the other side of this, because obviously there are great scholars on the other end of the debate who come to the complete opposite conclusion, looking at the same evidence that Bart Ehrman did. Um, So it really pushed me. Yeah, it created a crisis in my life, but it caused me to dig deeper and to search for the truth. And ultimately... um, I'm I'm grateful that God led me down that journey because uh, it helped me to understand that, as you said, to become a Christian, you don't have to take your brain out at the door. But it is actually a credible faith. It's rooted in history. There's tons of evidence. Um, and as far as you want to push the Christian faith, uh, it will not break right. because there's always uh, evidence. There's always testimony, and um, it can be supported. Right. Well, and, and let me push back just a little bit, okay? I, I agree basically with everything you've said, but then what about the person who goes through that experience who reads Josh McDowell or somebody else, and and they end up with more questions than answers, and they finally say, 
you know, I wash my hands of it. I don't believe it. While I'm very grateful for you two guys and how well you've turned out, um, what about those people? Why didn't it work for them? And why did it work for you? What what made what made the difference? Is there something deeper there spiritually, um, you know, in your own heart? Uh, what do they call it? Regeneration. Election, regeneration. I know in my Spirit. situation, I mean, one thing that made a tremendous difference is I know that I had praying parents. That makes a difference for sure. And I know some people would scoff at that, but hey, you can't outrun your mama's prayers. <laughs> and, and it's an awesome, powerful thing. But what about, I mean, I, again, I know young folks that get prayed for consistently. I know, yep. And, and for me personally, number one, I was saved when this happened. There's no doubt in my mind that I was saved. You know, um, my um, it took me a little while. Um, I think that a lot of the rejection that I was feeling wasn't necessarily uh, it was more about conviction than it was seeking truth it was more about the life i was trying to live than it was about finding what god really wanted in my life because when my room when i look back at this now i saw my roommate was challenged me and he truly challenged my faith but i was also living for the world yeah (laughs) i was living for the world i was your morality dictated your theology bingo it really did but so combine that with true objection or you know uh, a substantial objection to my faith it was like a perfect storm and it wasn't until I kind of almost hit rock bottom that, and I think that was kind of your testimony as well. Um, it wasn't until I kind of hit rock bottom that I'm like, okay, I'm going to dig into this because I've, I've got these questions. And once I began to dig, I realized that it was true and that there were ramifications. Um, I've met many, many, many skeptics. And I would say that the majority of them, if not 95% of them, it's not about seeking truth or seeking what really God wants, but it's really about I want to live my life my own way. Mm-hmm. And um, it's our basic default setting. It's it is the depravity of the heart. It is, but I but and I want to kind of the part of this that I kind of wanted to go to is is I think that something that could be helpful, um, and I try to do this, and and is is in the way we present things and and to teach things and the way we say things, uh, just like in that the Ark encounter, in, in which it said, "Don't call it Bible stories. Don't don't the the story of Noah's Ark story is in once upon a time being, in a land far far actually, away." Actually, that's yeah. what the thing said yeah. at the top. Once upon a time, yeah. because mm-hmm. then as a kid, you're like, okay, these are just Bible stories. These didn't really happen. Yeah. And then when you add in a skeptical world, mm-hmm. um, because the Christian, uh, the Christian culture is sl- not slowly, it's quickly fading away. And so people's growing up in church and growing up knowing the Bible stories, it, that's going, going away. Because I did have a strong biblical foundation. I absolutely did. And so I think that helped out a lot. But because people are getting less and less of that biblical foundation, I think in our teaching, we, we, we've got to do more and I'm not discounting the Bible. That's not what I'm saying at all, but I think it's almost like we've got to present more of an apologetics type case, an act 17 type than an Acts two type. Yeah. Because of our, I disagree. Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) So, uh, in John three, seven, uh, Nicodemus is talking to Jesus here 
And uh, Jesus says to Nicodemus, do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. How can these things be? Asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Um, so my understanding would be that uh, the mind of every natural man is corrupted by sin. And so trying trying to just uh, convert someone on the basis of of logic or argumentation in some cases would be ineffective. I'm not anti-evidential uh, apologetics or whatever. I'm, I'm pro-people being saved. But I think the mechanism by which people accept truth, whether that's through evidence or through just the proclaimed word of God, is the fact that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in that person's heart. And so I think the the tendency can be with certain apologetic methods that, you know, Kind of, kind of like Dennis said, you just draw a line from A to B. I gave you this amount of facts. You're a logical person. I make a sound argument, and you and you believe and are converted because my argument is sound. But you have to take into account the fact that the person that is hearing your argument is lost. They are blinded by their sin, um, and they are suppressing the knowledge of the truth and unrighteousness. And so uh, the reality is you can make the, the best scientific argument, logical argument, pr- pr- provide a, extensive evidence that would hold up in any court case and that person will curse God and die if the Holy Spirit is not working in their heart. Yeah, I I think you certainly the activity of the Holy Spirit is is the critical factor because of that natural man. Everything you say to them, while it may make perfect sense to you and the evidence backs it up, you know, the great uh, demonstration of history is that Jesus rose from the dead. They see it as foolishness, utter foolishness. The natural the man the receives cross. not yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, I, so I think, uh, again, there is a place for apologetics. There's a place for that. But, uh, you know, the, on a deeper level, I think you can't – if I can talk you into something, somebody else can talk you out of it. Yeah, well, and Paul says the natural man cannot discern spir- uh, or cannot uh, comprehend spiritual things because they are spiritually discerned. Right. Which also ties in with what Jesus is telling Nicodemus here. Nicodemus, the reason why you don't believe I'm the Messiah isn't because I haven't provided enough evidence. You've seen what I've done. You came to me saying we know you're from God because of what you've done. The reason why you don't understand is because you haven't been born again. And and that's your problem. And, and so ultimately when we're dealing with people, it's not that we don't give evidence. Obviously, we want to give every possible reason for this person to accept Christ. But we have to understand that our faith has to be in the working of the Holy Spirit in that person's heart, not in our apologetics. And I say that as somebody who's kind of fallen into that trap because um, I studied that a lot. I struggled a lot. Um, I went to a liberal college, too, and and I remember the first time in a Greek class that I saw um, a, a grammatical error in a Greek text, and I thought, what is this? I thought the Bible was perfect. And they're like, well, you know, this, this verb's in the wrong tense. Like the writer just wrote the wrong tense. And it just, it totally like threw me into a crisis of like, well, does that mean that every word of the Bible is not true? And then which parts are true and which parts aren't? And is it accurate or is it not accurate? And I had to, I had to wrestle through that. variance. Yeah. You know, I had to wrestle through that kind of stuff. Right. And and uh, and and the fact is, is the evidence helped me as a believer to feel more confident in my faith. 
But what I began to to think is, is especially like on things like the internet, I can, it, my arguments are so sound that this person cannot resist <laughs> me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But then my faith is in my apologetic method. The reality is, I mean, you can preach at a lost person until you're blue in the face. And if they're not born again, it's a total waste of time. Now, granted, I don't know who the Spirit's working on or who they aren't, which is why we proclaim the gospel to everyone. Exactly. We tear down every stronghold. Exactly. But we under but we understand that at the end of the day, it's the power of the Spirit that's tearing that down in their mind. And the means by which he's doing that is the proclamation of the gospel, which can include evidence. Mm-hmm. So that's my only distinction is like I'm not anti-evidential apologetics. That's not the method that I would personally choose. But what I am against is is, is placing our trust in evidence and not our trust in uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, which is two different things. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I guess I agree with you. But what I would say is, is like and that's kind of what I was saying is from a from a text based faith. If my if my faith is strictly in the text, like you went you went to that and they just dissected it. Well, it's in the mm-hmm. Bible. It tells me so, right? I must believe it. Right, and that's, that's what, and that's kind of what Andy was going toward. Now again, he went a little off the deep end, but because the Bible says so. So when that when somebody my roommate prime example said, well, that's not true. I didn't have anywhere to go. I had no. You just ask him what is truth. Like text. Well, it was. I understand it, but like, <laughs> right. but, my, but my faith was based in in the text. But see, the, the, here's the thing, though. The text is self authenticating. So, so that all the evidence does is gives us more evidence that what the Bible says about itself is true. But the Bible can prove that it's true without having to have external evidence. Like, like that's part of it. So, for instance, well, but you get into circular reasoning, that whole thing, right? Too. But circular reasoning makes sense, though, because if God is the source of all things, then it would make sense that all things would lead back to Him. How do you know there's a God? Because without God, you can't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but you see what you get. You see what you get into. But, well, but but what I'm saying is that that's the argument that we make to people, right? So the atheist the atheist says to me, "Give me some evidence for God." How would that evidence actually make a difference for you? Well, because yeah, but, I could believe it. Well, how do you know that evidence even exists? Well, because I observe it with my senses. How do you know that you can rely on your senses? Have your senses ever deceived you? You see yeah, what I'm saying? I, yeah, but I'm not. I'm not really going down. I'm not really trying going down that path as far as from an, an atheist standpoint. I'm saying from a basis of our faith, text base. Right, the Bible says so. Therefore, mm-hmm. I believe it, mm-hmm. no matter what. And so, and it's almost like you don't love God with your mind. Right. It's almost like this. Well, I'm just going to believe the Bible because the, it's God's word. Yeah. I don't know why, but I. And Amen. there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think the part of loving God with your mind, and I'm not saying it's text or evidence. None of what I'm saying at all. And I fully, I fully agree with you that it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But I, I, I would say that. What we're seeing from previous days when I was younger it was text-based. Why? Because the Christian culture. Mm-hmm. It was the Christian culture. Now that culture's slipping away. Well, the Bible's just like every other religious text in the world. And so, well, what makes it different? Well, the resurrection of Jesus it's Christ. It's self-authenticating. And then you get you get in you get into that. So that's that's kind of where I'm I'm going on. Do y'all see the Yeah, yeah I understand I, what you're saying. So what do you think about me, that? And to me, here's here's the critical thing. I think there's very few people out there, although there will be some, that God will use and work through your sharing uh, those evidences and those things to bring them to a, an awareness 
and openness to the gospel. I, th- I think certainly God can and does do that. I think it's very rare. I, I think my bigger concern would be children growing up in our own Christian homes and our responsibility to transmit the truth to them, understanding the world and the culture and the things that they're exposed to, that we've got to equip them and arm them. Number one, they need to memorize those scriptures. They need to understand the context. They need to be taught. But they do need to be exposed, I think, to the whys. Right. Because I think part of the reason why you, you already, and, and Derek as well, and, and, and Benjamin, a, a foundation that you had, a genuine experience with the Lord, that then you were able to build on and, and examine those things. What if you didn't have that? What if in your home, you know, it was just like, we're going to take our kids to church, Sunday school, you know, we're going to trust the youth pastor, take care of all that. If it's ever worked, it will not work today. And I would be more concerned about how we transmit the truth down to that next generation and give them reasons to explore their faith and believe the Bible, other than looking at it as, as fairy tales and stories as, as they'll be taught later on. Well, that's why I think, too, is there and it, it's not so much anymore. But I remember when I first started diving into this and it was almost like there was a battle between science and, and Christians. Like right. you, you couldn't you couldn't study science, that it was of the devil and you know, logic and philosophy and mm-hmm. and all that. When you get in the worldview stuff, obviously, it gets it can get dangerous, but it's like. This avoidance of using your mind, like, well, I, I can't, I can't, I can't study science. I right. can't. But when you do, and you look at it as what did God actually do, um, and that can really, it can bring about a, a part of worship in your own heart. Absolutely. But I agree. What was you going to say? You you said you were in the same well, boat. Well, no, I understand what you're saying in the sense that you're, or at least what I'm hearing is helping your children first, and then of course your congregation. To know that uh, these, all of these stories that we read in the Bible aren't fairy tales. They aren't just good reading material or bedtime uh, tales that we tell, but that it's rooted in history. Right. And that we have a, a basis for belief. It's credible. Um, it's backed up archaeologically, scientifically, philosophically, whatever. Um, and, and leading our people to a deeper understanding of the truth. Yeah, it's one thing to know what you believe, but you need to know, like I said earlier, why you believe it and and helping them to grow those deeper roots. Right. Um, so, question. So you're saying that basically uh, we should have an event-based faith, which is the argument that Andy would make. Like, a, a, like, for instance, the resurrection of Jesus would be an authentication of Christianity of the text. Correct. And so we should start with the event first and then authenticate the text based on the event versus authenticating the event based on the text. I think, honestly, I think you could go as long as both are presented. So so let me ask you this. Um, why, uh, based solely on historical events and evidence, why would you determine that Christianity is true and Islam is not? Well, I mean, you would go back to the text. That'd be the differential. I mean, that would be what would make it different, right? But the but then you're I'm just not, but not, then you're just saying the Bible tells me so, right? Yeah, but you 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 combine reality with the text. Does it line up with reality? Yeah. Does it line up with historical that? Yeah. It, it, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying either or, and that's that's where Andy. The reason goes. why I'm asking though is because it, so Islam is a historical religion, and it, and it, it even 
deviates but begins with Judeo-Christianity. With the Old years Testament. After the fact. Right. So there's <laughs> okay. a historical... Now, now, I'm not advocating for Islam, obviously. Just, yeah. but, w- but what I'm saying is, though, is I think that there's a slippery slope there when you say, well, I, I believe that the Bible's true on the basis of outside historical evidence as opposed to believing what it claims about itself. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, like I would believe that the Bible is true even if I observed evidence scientifically that indicated that it wasn't true, not because I'm ignorant, but because I think that God has the right to dictate what is real and what isn't. And so my senses don't sit in judgment on whether or not God's word is true, if that makes sense. So no, so like if Jesus actually didn't come to earth and die, you would still believe that Jesus came to earth and died? If, if the Bible says that, and my and my my physical senses don't agree with that. I have to choose to submit myself to the Bible instead of my own senses because I'm a fallen human being, and I don't have to understand. So, for instance, a a, a big example of this would be um, literal six day creation, right? So the debate is is hey, there's a whole lot of evidence that sure looks like the earth wasn't really created in six days. So if I'm going to believe the earth was created in six days, I can't just do that on the basis of my senses because my senses seem to indicate that that's not actually what happened. So what I have to do is, is I have to assume that God actually knows what he's doing and that he decides to do things the way that he wants. And if he says that he did it that way, that has to be good enough for me. Like I have to believe it by faith, not by sight. Well, yeah, that's that's certainly true, but faith is not a, a leap in the dark. It's not, you know, it's something that you just hope or wishful thinking. Right, which is why the evidence doesn't contradict it. Correct. But where it appears that it may, we have to say, well, I just may not have discovered fully or science could err in its uh, taking the set of facts and, and what it concludes. But but I think, uh, again, we've got to be careful about about that. Our people sitting in the, in the pew are fearful many times to share the gospel, which is the only power to bring about salvation, because they're afraid they'll get these questions. And that, no one will look stupid. And, and people mm-hmm. make fun of them. So I think as we share with them, not because it's going to make them any more saved than what they already are, but we're going to give them a confidence, a boldness to know, no, I'm not going to talk them that atheist into something because I've got mm-hmm. all this weight of evidence. But I can share with conviction because I know and understand some of the whys and the things that support it. I don't I, I don't have to be ridiculed simply because I, I share those things and give them a boldness to do so. But at the end of the day, though, they have to be able to proclaim that on the authority of Scripture, not on the authority of evidence. Sure. And so so the problem that I see is is like I think like it's both. I don't I don't think well, you, no, I, I don't think you can discount well there's if there's no evidence that I, I don't know that you can't I don't know that you need to separate the two. Well truth is truth in whatever realm it's in. If it's right. science, I don't the, think that's it, true, but but for instance, uh a few decades ago if somebody told you I don't believe the Bible's true because the Hittite Empire doesn't exist and we hadn't discovered archaeological evidence yet, then you don't have the evidence to say Yes, the Hittite Empire existed and it was an actual event, and therefore I believe that the Bible is true. You just had to say, I believe that the Hittites exist because the Bible says that they exist. But that was, and then we discovered that, the evidence that they exist. But, right, you can also go back and say there are other areas where archaeology has demonstrated the, the integrity of Scripture. So even though this may not have been 
demonstrated yet because I have all this other preponderance of evidence. There's no reason to believe that, you know, logically that it wouldn't. Right. But the easier thing to do than to try to train everybody on all that and kind of inoculate them against these like questions and things is, is to just ask that person up front. If I can answer your question, are you going to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's a great approach. And the majority of the time the answer is going to be no, there's right. nothing that you're going to say to me right now that's going to cause me to we convert because that. I hate God. Right. Sure. You, you see what I'm saying? So it's like you could just start there and there, say they may not be that honest, but no, <laughs> no. But but the reality is that some of them may be. Right. But the reality is, is again going back to what to what I'm saying is, is when it comes to apologetics, like I'm not anti evidence, but I really think that evidence is really more for the benefit of believers than it is for unbelievers because uh, lost people aren't lost because they don't have evidence; they're lost because they hate God in their hearts. Well, I think that. People have people have come to know the Lord oh, yeah. through you apologetics. Sure, yeah. Read, read least by the power of the Holy Spirit. Read C.S. Lewis. Yeah, read well. uh, Josh McDowell. You know, all of those guys were brilliant guys from different disciplines in life. And but he, but Lee Strobel had a wife that was living the life and praying for right. him. And so there the was evidence that, made a difference. Yeah, Jay Warner yeah, Wallace. Jay Warner Wallace. Cold case one, he was. Yeah. He had no Christian influences like, except a coworker, and his coworkers like look at it like a cold case. And he did. So the evidence pointed him to, I mean, for me personally, that, and I'll tell you exactly the thing that was like switching. This might sound stupid, but I was reading in the book and it was talking about the, the psychology of the disciples bef- when Jesus was arrested, how they fled for their lives. And then after the resurrection, that something happened that they all of a sudden, you know, were willing to die for it. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, and, and uh, Holy Spirit, but it was like, that actually happened. Like the, Jesus really did raise from the dead. And then it was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and then it was like, oh, and then it just kind of backed. So when mm-hmm. Andy talks about the resurrection, I, I get that because that's kind of what, oh, wait a minute. It actually happened. And there are ramifications to the fact that he claimed he was going to die and come back. To that. So that's kind of what I'm hitting at. Um, I, just, I don't I don't think you separate the two. I don't, I don't think you can. I don't think you should. And that's kind of what I'm. Uh, I, I'm not saying separate. I'm saying to the starting point. What I'm saying is, is we should start from Scripture and then prove it based on evidence as opposed to saying, um, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, like one is the judge of the other. Well, Romans one. So like so like is is Scripture sitting in judgment on the evidence that we observe scientifically or is the evidence sitting in judgment on Scripture? I don't when I'm when I'm talking to an unbeliever, I don't want to put them in the judge's seat on whether or not the gospel is true. Like it is true. And God calls everyone everywhere to repent. And like that's the truth. And so my whole idea when I'm presenting you with evidence, you present a judge with evidence. And then I'm telling that person, hey, basically, here's the facts about Jesus. You decide you make up your mind on whether it's true or not, as opposed to saying Jesus demands that you that you repent and and follow him. And also, here's the here's reasons why you should do that. But the command is clear that you know listen whether i present you with evidence or not you're going to have to stand before him and you're going to you're going to have to answer and romans 1 yeah romans 1 i mean it says for what can be known about god is plain to them because god has shown it to them and then it talks about his invisible attributes mm-hmm. uh, his eternal power divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the cre- creation of the world so in the creation is what god has the evidence that God has given us is in his creation, not necessarily his word. Correct? General revelation. General revelation, yeah. revelation. Which is also why it says they su- suppress the knowledge of the truth of God and unrighteousness. Because they know something you don't know. They do they know that God exists, 
right. and they know that they are not right with him and they suppress that in their unrighteousness. Right. And and I know a lot of times we use this uh, Acts 17 as an example, as opposed to Acts 2, that this is where we are today instead of just preaching the Bible and calling people to believe. Paul did use a different approach, but, but listen where he where he comes. He says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Right. That's what you've been saying. Mm-hmm. Because he has set a day on which he's going to judge the world by right, in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. But now what did they do? They ridiculed him. They responded with that. And but mm-hmm. a few said, "Well, we'll we'll listen to you uh, again." And and some came to believe. Mm-hmm. So you know the fact is the real problem there, and I think that's where I would agree with with Ben, is that people's hearts are anti God. Right. That's their natural default setting. They don't. They want to be their own God. Mm-hmm. It's their autonomy rather than submitting to His authority. And that's the that's the real crux of the of the matter. So no matter what evidence you give to them, you know, Paul says he's he's giving you evidence. He's risen from the dead. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, we don't believe that stuff. They don't believe. And they were in that want. day. I mean, they they would have known. It would have been yeah, very they, easy to verify that they kind didn't of thing. Believe. They, didn't want to believe. Didn't Jesus say that uh, in the rich man Lazarus? You know, e- even if somebody were to come back from the dead, mm-hmm. they they yeah, still they would not yeah, believe. Yeah. Right. But but then there were some. At, that the spirit was dealing with that did come mm-hmm. to faith. So we don't know, and we don't know what tools God's going to use. So I think it's important for us not to rely on those things, but to have them in our toolbox. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's we, what, I, and that's my argument. It's not, you know, I think that's where Andy kind of goes a little bit overboard in the sense of uh, text based. No, right. If I there's not enough there, evidence, just throw it out. Right. And, and in you Jesus can't anyways. do that because I think it's when you can do both. Man, I know in my own personal walk when you can. You can have a brain and love God with your mind and love the text and love scripture and understand that it is true. You you get dangerous. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You get dangerous. And so those of you out here, uh, out there listening, you know, if you want to comment or anything on, on this subject, um, please do. And um, just preach the truth. You can Amen. continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.